Welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast, the photo imaging industry's leading news source. Here's your host, Gary Peugeot. The Dead Pixel Society podcast is brought to you by Media Clip, Photo Finale, and Advertech Printing. Hello again and welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. I'm your host, Gary Peugeot, and today we're joined by an old friend, Brian Solis, visionary, author, and business uh, consultant and Salesforce Global Innovation Evangelist. Hi, Brian. How are you today? Yeah, I, well, I'm great. You got the word old right. That's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, you and I met, oh my gosh, in the late 90s when you were actually doing uh, public relations. That was sort of where you carved out the early part of your career. So before we get started into the contemporary stuff, Let's lay the framework for those who may not have even been born yet or aware of what the digital camera landscape was at the time and what the digital OS was all about. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Flashpoint. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, and Gary, always, <laughs> always wonderful to see you outside of Facebook and, uh, of course, our, our past memories. Uh, so in the 90s. Uh, digital photography was becoming uh, a thing. And all the stories <clears throat> I still tell today about how uh, a lot of this was transformative. And for those who don't follow my work or have any idea who I am, back in the 90s, I, I was a programmer uh, who moved to Silicon Valley from Los Angeles in 1996. And I had this great big vision of just geeking out in Silicon Valley. And at the time it was very enterprise hardware. And so in the late nineties, it was this really big shift from, you know, the HPs of the world and the IBMs of the world and servers and Cisco technology to consumer facing digital hardware. And ultimately what would become web 1.0 and the consumerization of the internet. Mm -hmm. And yep. Gary and I met, uh, we met at this time when hardware and the internet we're starting to merge together. And I think the market was 99.9% .9 film mm -hmm, uh, sure. at, at the time. And the Digita OS was Flashpoint's, a very ambitious attempt at creating what was the equivalent of Windows or Apple OS for digital cameras to standardize cameras on an, a common platform so that software developers could take more than just the, the the ability to capture a digital image, but to do more in camera, much of what we see today, for example, on our phones. Right. Uh, and I also, in that day, worked with Kodak. I worked with Rico. I worked with uh, other software and and internet companies like Club Photo, mm -hmm. uh, 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 Smug Mug, uh, <laughs> Still Around, <of> <laughs> yeah, uh, Flickr, which I actually still use to this yeah. day, which is owned by the founders now of of Smug Mug. Sure. Uh, and uh, I wasn't just public relations. Uh, I was also this digital guy mm -hmm. who understood sure. the technology, but also applied my understanding of technology to humanize it. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just about digital photography. It was the benefits of what digitization of photos were going to do for society, how bringing those images online uh, were going to change society and how we interact and connect with one another, which would eventually become social media and ended up becoming also a, a, an aspiring digital anthropologist along the way to make sense of how this was unfolding, the consumerization of the internet, how that was changing behaviors and digital photography's uh, role in all of that. So that's a full mouthful, just, but now we're up to speed. 
Well, the thing is, I don't think a lot of people realize is in that era, it wasn't a given that digital photography was going to take off in the format that it eventually did. Because, you know, at the time, hardware was very, very weak. In fact, you needed uh, up until, you know, Digita and some of the other operating systems within the cameras, you needed a PC to actually process the file, right? You had to actually mm-hmm. plug the thing. And so I know it seems kind of archaic now, but it really wasn't a given back then. So there's a lot of different attempts, but there was a vision even back then that digital photography in some form, whether it was going to be film being transferred to digital or something like that, was really going to enhance society as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. be, because there was the whole citizen journalism thing that was starting to happen That's right. and transmission of images and things like that, which today seems kind of quaint, but at the time it was very, you know, groundbreaking moving forward through the two thousands. How did social media affect photography as compared to what the way it was to where it is, where it became, you know, I love, uh, I'll, I'll bridge it <clears throat> by addressing one point that you brought up here and then we'll go to the next, which was, as you said, digital wasn't a given. And that was really a lot of my work, which was not so much public relations as it was market cultivation, which was right. to help un- help consumers and, and business users and, and everybody understand what we could unlock through digital photography that we couldn't with traditional photography. So it wasn't just, let's not just think about cannibalization, let's think about augmentation. Right. And where that got us to social media was sort of this interim step with, you know, at the time when online photo sharing, like Club Photo, Market Pioneer, you know, came out with the ability to post your photos online. Nobody in their right mind was going to put their pictures online of their <laughs> families and friends and most private moments. Right. And this, you know, this is the late 90s and social media really started to unfold around 2005, 2006. And I wanted to paint that picture for everybody watching uh, and listening that that's how fast this went from mm-hmm. all film to suddenly social media, sharing pictures online. Uh, and this is what's really important. I, te- I still teach this in my books and in my, my keynotes, which was, you know, Kodak is often blamed for missing the boat on digital. But you and I were there when they had some of the best cameras on the market. Yes, they quite famously said they didn't want to cannibalize their film market. But I think the thing that Kodak, the way I talk about it as the new Kodak moment was, this is a lesson for businesses everywhere. And social media was sort of the catalyst for this was, it wasn't so much about being late to market, because certainly we've seen laggards come and go, look at GoPro, right? They weren't the first to make a digital video camera. They just found their opportunity. But what Kodak missed was the the evolution of the Kodak moment itself, which was one of nostalgia, mm-hmm. one of memories, one of printed images in shoeboxes and albums to what digital really did, which was it it empowered consumers to take so many pictures of so many things that it shifted from memories to experiences. Mm-hmm. And then what social media facilitated was the sharing of those experiences in real time to keep up with as much and as fast as you were taking those pictures. Right. Uh, and so social media essentially was a renaissance, I think, for digital photography and digital imaging, but it was no longer as much about nostalgia as it was about experiences. And that was a, a, a milestone and a marker in the shift of, of how consumer behaviors and consumers related to mm-hmm. photography, images, and, 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 and community around those images. And I think what social media did 
for better was it brought us together around the, our experiences. It sure. created it, it created interest graphs. It created you know micro communities of people who shared the same passions and interests. Ultimately, what I didn't foresee because I was a hopeless optimist was <laughs> how social media would transcend photography into vanity, mm-hmm. narcissism, uh, and a lot of things today that we see that's wrong with how uh, how this this projection through photography, edited mm-hmm. photography, I should say, mm-hmm. is communicating to people how we're quote unquote living our best life when in fact we're not ourselves in the photography in the photography that we represent, at least at a at a mass consumer level. Now don't get me wrong, I also think lastly to your question, social media also unlocked things like uh the integration or the hybrid integration between uh, digital photography and digital video, you know, with, with hybrid DSLRs, for example, like I use, I still use my, my Canons, uh, and, and now my black magics with my Canon lenses to do more than photography, but to also use stream, stream live video or, or to, 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 to stream video in ways that I couldn't do before. So there's this, there's this magic of it, but also this completely new market for all of the things that have happened. And last bit, I, there's a big question, Gary, I know, uh, which I think is for your listeners and your and, and those watching right now was that all of these things also create new opportunities for businesses, mm-hmm. uh, for ecosystems, for markets, uh, in that we haven't seen yet what's totally possible. Uh, the evolution has been fast, it's been sweeping, but it's mm-hmm. still it's still nascent and it's mm-hmm. still it's still it's still putty and we get to form whatever ways we want it to go. You know, it's interesting you say it because I was at a meeting a few weeks ago with uh, what you would traditionally call camera stores, right? It was a meeting of camera store dealers. And a lot of them were talking about their customers, not as photographers, but as content creators, Mm -hmm. right? That was the language that they're using to adopt. And they're, you know, putting in microphones and gimbals and all these other products around that, so I think the market's getting it right that they're seeing that that there's a, a different level of visual literacy that's out there now. Visual literacy, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. It's true. Uh, in 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 in, uh, in my world, I just call them creators, and those are folks that can go anywhere from Instagram to now TikTok. My goodness. Uh, talk about a next breed of of creators to uh, of those that we know from 2004 that are still thriving like like YouTube. But there's going to be you know there's going to be a next TikTok like you know just like after Instagram there was Snapchat and then TikTok came on the market. But what all the what what all of these platforms share and how they've all evolved is how a creator takes equipment to transcend that experience, whether it's content, whether it's live streaming, whether it's uh, like just full on cinematography, like we're seeing in like these mini movies that are now on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, it's crazy. It's uh, absolutely crazy. And there is an entire market that isn't just for them figuring it out on their own, but for those who want to emulate them, and 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 it's really hard. I'll tell you, as a as someone who's been in this game, but also as a consumer, you know. For example, when I when I uh, when I got my Black Magic uh, Pocket Cinemas, I, 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 you know, you know how long I've been in this game. 
I still have a lot of the cameras we talked about earlier. You know, the I had to I had to have someone show me how mm-hmm. to translate the content from these amazing cameras into these new micro formats or these new media formats right. uh, that that visual literacy uh, requires. You don't just know and go and grow. You have to continue to evolve if you want to if you want to be part of these new media th- these new media experiences. And what's interesting is it's almost equipment agnostic, right? I go to a conference and I put my iPhone 12 Pro on a gimbal and have a wireless mic and I interview people and it's golden material. I mean, in terms of the quality the, of the video and the audio, and it's, it's transparent to the user what type of equipment is being used as opposed to, you know, there wasn't a time we were long ago where you could really tell. Yeah, that was shot with a handheld that was shot with a point and shoot that was shot with a disposable camera for god's sake so i think taking that out of it has actually freed up some more opportunity for people taking the hardware requirements out of it per se absolutely if you look at first uh, apple if you're if you're if you're watching could we please get higher resolution face facing cameras that is (laughs) That is, it's just, we've got to do that. Second, uh, the wireless mic revolution has been un, it's been transformative. Gimbals, of course, but uh, Rode. Uh, I work with a company. A friend of mine started a company called Mike Me, M I C M E. They have just some of the best high performance cardio mics that you can take anywhere, including labs, Mm -hmm. like they change the game for the quality and the caliber of content people want to create, essentially helping technology keep up with the imagination of the creator and the capability of all of these new platforms, which Mm -hmm. is just mind blowing, right? We haven't even seen the extent of all of this, but also uh, there's, there's next gen cameras out there too. In fact, um, uh, Alex, uh, who was one of the co-founders of, or founders of Reddit, uh, talks about Alexis. He talks about uh, a new camera that he just invested in that is essentially not your typical webcam, but it's your webcam that you can take anywhere that emulates like that SLR richness uh, so that you don't have to understand all the geekiness of these, these mm-hmm. higher performance cameras, but you can still have that look. And that, that inspiration was to sort of give that, uh, to give that experience to everyday, everyday, well, you know, we live in a video first world now. So, you know, what, what can we do to enrich that just traditional image that we're so used to seeing in meetings all day uh, and to make it more uh, immersive. And then you add that with filters and we're, we can, we can start to do great things. And I guess the, the long story short of that is what we're doing now as a result of COVID and video meetings and, all of these new social platforms is unlocking imagination in mm-hmm. how we work, uh, how we create, how we consume media, uh, where essentially everybody in their own way, shape or form, whether they know it or not, is now now in, in the video game. You yeah. know, you, you, you're watching it, you're projecting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, you know, you get to choose how you want to experience it and be experienced. Mm-hmm. Speaking of experience, I, I know we're short on time here, but I did want to touch on your last book, which is about how to experience your life, life scale, right? <laughs> how to put all this stuff in perspective. So you were just mentioning 
we're inundated with content, we're inundated with video, we're inundated with images, but to some extent we need to scale back. Yeah. In, uh, in a couple minutes or less, uh, life scale was my number eight book and it was not the number eight book I set out to write. I was having a hard time writing book number eight and I'd come off of, you know, 2017, 2018, you know, my keynotes at South by Southwest and a couple other conferences around the world were increasingly focusing on not just signal to noise ratios in our life, not just the overconsumption or the fire hose of information in our lives, but the signal to signal and the intentional disinformation signals to signals and the constant distractions and using our phones and trying to keep up with the Joneses and likes and followers and all of these things. And I was constantly presenting new findings of what it was doing to us as individuals, as societies, as markets, how distractions were not the healthiest, how they were rewiring our brains, our bodies, how we were now changing our uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs to things that were more, as I called accidental, uh, we became accidental narcissists. Uh, and then also how that made us vulnerable to actually perpetuate the vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, oh, I can't, I'm not just observing this. I'm not just studying this and publishing research on this. I'm, I'm also affected. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, I, I looked, I looked inside, I looked around my life and said, my goodness, uh, my creativity has just dwindled. My, um, my ability to just keep in the zone and keep with deep flow was just rocked. Uh, yeah. it, the, my relationships were suffering, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to be present, to be not just present, you know, with attention spans, but to be, be present, you know, right. to, to be in someone's life. And that's when I, I, I realized like, I, I, I also had, had a problem, but you know, at the time there was not a lot of stuff about what to do about it. You know, there was go to Burning Man or go, uh, <laughs> go to, go to a detox camp or go to the Isalon Institute in, you know, near Big Sur. But those were all temporary solutions, you know, right. little fixes. And I decided to research it. Spent a couple of years just understanding how you, well, first understanding what it's actually doing right. so that you can make the case to say, hey, did you know? Uh, and or if you've ever felt, this is why. But then the rest of the book was dedicated to here's what to do about taking control of your life in a digital first world without getting rid of technology. I mean, I couldn't get rid of my phone. I, right. I, I need it. I need it in my, I need it everything and everything I do. Right. So the thing that was really interesting was that it was awakening, but also empowering to then create a path, which is the life scale path, scaling your life forward with intent and purpose in a direction that you see today, but also that you can grow and scale over time, uh, mm-hmm. how you can use technology to actually accelerate and activate that new direction. And I still, it's right here. I still read this book all the time mm-hmm. because it keeps me on course. There's always new challenges. There's, new, there's always new apps, new distractions. Uh, and there, there are always new things to do as you unlock the things you set out to do before. So that's life scale. And it is, uh, the last thing I'll do is be incredibly honest with you is that it didn't sell like my other books because no one, and still, it's still a thing. It's more important now than before, especially in this, this, you know, work from home world that nobody, nobody knows they have the problem uh, or that there is a problem or Mm -hmm. that, you know, all of these, these things that they do or don't do are the result of exactly what this is talking about. So it's been, 
you know, the people who get it and the people who've read it, you know, mm-hmm. certainly just feel it. And they, 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 and it's, it's been transformative to them, but I'm still on the, I'm still on the bandwagon of trying to get out there and help people understand. It's yeah. not just about the book. It's about yeah. just at least being aware of the fact that this is, this is not, this is preventing you from actually being in living your best life. If people want more information, where can they go to either learn about you or LifeScale or the digital OS? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of digital OS, I heard from Steve Saylor, who was the, uh, the yeah, former CEO Steve. of that company uh, recently. Yeah. It was really nice to hear from him. Uh, and John Hoy from our Fujitsu days back then. He, uh, wow. Anyway, look, but that's, you can reach me at briansolis.com or at briansolis on all the social platforms. If you're interested in LifeScale uh, or you know, maybe watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix if you want to mm-hmm. fast forward to see why you should read LifeScale. But LifeScale is on Amazon. All my books are on Amazon or, or your local bookstore. Support your local there you bookstore. Go. Uh, and uh, other than that, you know, if you ever have any questions or you just want to you want to talk online, just I I am I manage my own social media accounts. I'm the person <laughs> behind it. I'm actually engaging with people still. And you are to 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 your credit, you are responsive everywhere. I have interacted with you on I think two or three different platforms, and I don't know how you're scaling it, but you're doing it well because <laughs> carbon you are very time. responsive. <laughs> All right, my friend, take care. And uh, great to have you on the show. Great to see you, Gary. Thank you for listening to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. Read more great stories and sign up for the newsletter at www.thedeadpixelssociety.com.